Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Turn them on. Turn them up. It is so wonderful to hear the joy of Christian fellowship. Turn them up. But it's sometimes much better to stand up here and just watch you enjoy each other than to interrupt you. Begin this morning with our opening hymn. Surrounded by those who have traveled this road, we throw off a heavy and hindering load. The sin that entangles, we lay it aside and run with our eyes on the one crucified. Good morning. It's good to see everybody. I'm glad you all are here to worship our God. We'd like to welcome our visitors, and we're happy that you're here and that you're going to be part of our worship service. We have uh, some special people here this morning, uh, a former minister, Terry and Nancy Singleton. We're glad you are here. Thank you for coming. Amen. Did you really enjoy last week when the young college kids was here and just excited all of us? That was wonderful, wasn't it? Amen. Amen. So uh, I understand that they did make it home safely. You know, I get a little nervous. Y'all know that. I get nervous when they start talking about tornadoes and things like that. And, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, I think Illinois area, and all down, up and down the north and south. Uh, so hopefully, uh, uh, God will bless those families that uh, 
and comfort them that lost loved ones. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. And also think about the, the young babies and, and adults that lost their life in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. That was, that was a terrible situation. But I'm going to let you know something. Our politicians are looking for answers to, to those problems. They already have the answer. They just don't want to look in that direction. It's Jesus Christ. He's the answer to those problems. And I know that, and you know that. And we have to keep praying for this country. So one thing that we do have, we have the church. And that's our job. Our job is to tell the world about Jesus. Our job is to show people really how to love. Our job is to say that there is a Savior, there is a Lord, there is the promise of everlasting life, and there is the Holy Spirit, and we believe in it, and that's who we follow. Now, I'm going to be doing a prayer. It's going to be also the opening prayer. So uh, will you bow and pray with me? Most Holy Father, Father, you have brought us from a mighty long way, and we thank you for it, Father. We were strangers and aliens, but through your Son, Jesus Christ, Father, we, we became your children, Father. Father, we uh, just thank you for love and joy and peace and patience and all the fruit of the Spirit, Father, where there is no law. Father, you have taught us, taught us from the beginning of time how you feel about us, Father. We have missed the mark. We have stopped short. We have went against you, but you gave us the opportunity through your Son to repent and come back to you, and thank you for that. Father, we have many members who are sick, and uh, some have gone through surgery. Father, I can't name all of them, but I'm going to try to name some of them. Uh, Sue Shoemate, I know she's recovering from surgery. Uh, Pat, Donnie's wife, she's recovering from shoulder surgery. Uh, Father, we have... Uh, Nora, who's going to be going in for surgery this Tuesday, Father, and we have probably several more. Rita Smith is back. I'm happy to see that, Father. Father, we, uh, I talked to Alvin, and he's, he's, he's moved to uh, Kansas and talked to him. He seemed to be doing all right. Continue to pray for him. Uh, thank you for... Thank you for Jesus, and thank you for blessing our lives, and thank you for being able to pray for you, Father, and, and that you answer our prayers. Bless us during this worship service. Watch, watch, watch for us. Take care of us, Father. Please, Father, please take care of our little ones, our children. That world is an evil world. Teach them to say yes to your son, Jesus, and no to this world. Praise in the name of your son. 
our Lord and Savior. Amen. King of my life, I crown thee now, thy child of glory.
So we're doing something a little different today. As you all know, I've been saying, I wish we had a little more time for communion. I've been stressing the importance of the Lord's Supper. So we're going to sit today and we're going to take time to do the Lord's Supper. We're going to focus everything around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you were in class on Wednesday night, I shared this with you as we were going through the New Testament church and the things that they focused on, the things they were faithful to. And one of the things they were focused on was the Lord's Supper, the, the breaking of bread. When they came together, this was more than just a meal in the house because the meal in the house was talked about later. And I went to this scripture. There's a lot of scripture I could have pulled from, but I went to this one specifically because this one to me states the importance of the Lord's Supper. It's something that we do every week because it's important and we should do it every week. We should want to do it every week. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this is, this is one of the apostles, yes, but this is, this is the one that kind of stands out. This is the one that wasn't there on the night of the Last Supper. In fact, at that point, he was still an enemy of the cross. This is Paul. And he doesn't start by saying, hey, guys, I got this from Peter, and it feels really good when we do it. He says, no, I received from the Lord. Of all the things that Jesus chose to personally talk to Paul about, we don't have all those conversations. But of all the things that he did personally decide to talk to Paul about, this was one of those things. Look what it says. For I received from the Lord. Of all the things they could have talked about. And Paul thought it was so important that he said, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I always struggle with that part. That's why I put it on the sign to kind of prepare us as we drove in this morning. I always struggle with that part. How do I remember when I wasn't there? You ever feel that way? How am I supposed to remember something when I wasn't there, but you were? Truth be told, as you look at the events that surround the cross, there should be multiple people, multiple times that you can relate to in your own life as you really think about that moment. You see, this wasn't a moment that happened by random. This wasn't a moment that happened um, out of the blue or by coincidence. This was a moment that was prepared to be a teacher to be something that we can all relate to in every aspect of our life, in every season, in every situation that we go through, there is somebody near the cross that you can relate to. So that's, that's where I wanted to start. Because as we think about this bread, which represents Christ's body, we should be thinking about the fact that he took our shame. 
He took our suffering. He took our punishment. He bore it on himself. That's why when he walks up to, to, um, to Thomas, who's, who's struggling with the belief of the resurrection Savior, he walks up and says, here, look at my scars. If you're having trouble believing, look at the body that was broken for you. The hands that were pierced, the side that was pierced. Look at my body. So as he's going through this suffering, many people show up. Who do you relate to? Who do you relate to on the cross? The first one I think many of us think about, even though we never see him actually at the crucifixion scene or pointed out at least at the crucifixion scene is Peter. Why? Because Peter's right there at the end of the Lord's Supper. And he's out there with Jesus and Jesus says to him, you know, Satan has, has asked that he can sift you like wheat. And I'm praying for you, Peter. He says, but I'm telling you before, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, John says that that third time that Peter denies him, Peter and Jesus' eyes make contact. So do you relate to someone who, in the pressure of the situation, denies Christ? Don't forget his rebound. But the pressure of the world can be scary. I don't know about you, but many times during the Lord's Supper, I've thought of myself as Barabbas. Because the truth for me is, is that was my cross to bear. It was my sin that nailed him there. It was my cross to bear. And he gladly took that cross for me. I was the criminal. I was the insurrectionist. I was the lawbreaker. What about Simon of Cyrene? In one way, kind of one of the unspoken heroes of, of the crucifixion scene. Here's Jesus. He has, been, he has been beat. He has been tortured to the point to where the Son of God cannot even carry his cross anymore. The weight of the cross is too much for him to bear. And, you know, the, the scripture isn't exactly clear, but I think it gives the indication that Simon obviously was not given any choice. He was either going to do this or he was going to face punishment as well. He's going to get sucked right into the punishment. But whether he was willing or unwilling, he did it. And I think about him so much because this is exactly what Jesus tells us we are to do ourselves every single day. To pick up our cross and carry it and follow him. That's exactly what Simon did. What about the criminal? We talked about this not very long ago, but I want to bring it back up. What about the criminal? The criminal who is sitting there and he realizes exactly why he is where he is. But he also recognizes at the same time that Jesus is not where he should be. Amen. 
What about the crowd? I don't know if there was a single person in the crowd that didn't know somebody. Now think about the way the world worked at this time. It was small communities. So you live in a community that has a crippled person and Jesus comes through and heals that crippled person. How many people in your community know that that person was crippled and then when Jesus left, he was walking? Everybody knew. How many of these people in the crowd that mock Jesus, save yourself, take yourself down from the cross, Jesus, go ahead, you can save others, why can't you save yourself? How many of those people knew somebody that Jesus healed? How many of those people were there when Jesus entered Jerusalem and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and laying down the palms for his donkey to walk on? But yet they mocked him. All the way to the cross, they mocked him. Even while he was hanging there, they mocked him. What about the soldier? Who after seeing everything that he experienced with the death of Jesus, he literally looked at the way Jesus died and said, no one could have died like this but the Son of God. This is the body of Christ. This is the suffering, the pain, the punishment that he bore upon, that he took upon himself for you, for me. There's got to be somebody you can relate to at the cross. And if you're still lost, you say, man, I just, I just can't relate to them. What about John? You know, we don't know how many disciples were actually at the cross, but we know one was, and it was John. And what was John worried about? Even while he was watching his Savior suffer and die, he was worried about the family of God. And he was faithful all the way to the point of Jesus' death. Who do you relate to at the cross? I want you to take some time I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to take the bread together. And I want you to take a little bit of time just to think about the cross. And then I've asked Paul to get up and lead us in a couple more songs. And then I'll be back up, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord. We are, God, we are so humbled. Every single Sunday when we come to this moment, Lord, we are so humbled. For we know there was nothing we could have ever done to deserve the love that you showed us in this moment, in this moment on the cross. There was nothing we could have done. What kind of God loves his people who are stubborn and rebellious? evil generation. What kind of God could love us so much that he dies for us? You're that God. You're the, the true definition of love. And Father, 
We all in our own ways take advantage of that at times and we pray for forgiveness. We pray that you give us repentant hearts. Lord, that our hearts never become hard, but they're always soft for you and for your word, for your leading, your guiding, your prompting in this life. God, we even pray that when we share in your sufferings that we can do it with joy. So that even in our good times and our bad times, people can see us. When they see us, they see you. They can't deny the God that lives in us. Father, I pray as we think about the cross and we pray to you individually in these next couple minutes, Lord, I pray that that you give us clean hearts. Father, that you help align our minds with your will. God, that you give us commitment to follow through even when things get tough. God, we thank you so much for your son, for Jesus, our Lord, and for the sacrifice he made on behalf of each one of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
On a hill far away So we come to the blood, the fruit of the vine, the blood of the new covenant. In verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 11 says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then he says this very important statement. He says, For as often as you eat this bread... And drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, to me, that's why it's so important. Because without Jesus' death, there is no victory. Without Jesus' death, we're all in a place where, that we've created for ourselves, where we have separation from God. I wanted to do this part really quick, so just bear with me. For the, the blood of the new covenant brings about forgiveness. And Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And I want you to see how Paul puts those two things together, forgiveness and redemption. Redemption was my second point, but I want you to see how he puts those two things together. 
Because it's not just that you needed to be forgiven, you needed to be redeemed. You know, um, Peter, he says it a little different. He says you needed to be ransomed. He says, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers. Not, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So when you, when you, it seems so simple, right? You just make choices sometimes. You just make choices. And it would honestly be really nice and, and simple to just gloss it all away. Because at the end of the day, you're just, you're just making choices. What's, what's so wrong with choices? You got good choices, you got bad choices. At the end of the day, you're just making choices, right? No. No, it's, no, it's much deeper than that, actually. When you choose to sin, you're looking God in the face and saying, no. no God's our Father. You ever have one of your kids look you in the face and tell you no? In defiance? How does that make you feel? Anybody ever feel a little wrath of God coming? So there's this, there's this debt that you owe from that consequence. There is a debt. And you've been ransomed from that debt, not bought with precious things of this world, bought with the blood of Christ. It was the only thing that could pay to redeem you. Not just forgiveness, redemption. Okay, this isn't Jesus came and you were in jail and he, he, he posted your, your, your bail. This is your slate has been wiped clean. This is not just forgiveness. This is redemption. And you know, there's something else to point out in this moment as well. And it's that there is reconciliation. Because after your kid looks you in the eye and says, no, there's going to be the wrath of God, if you will. And then there's also going to be reconciliation. Because ultimately, you've got to make that relationship right again. And the truth is, Paul says in Ephesians, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you were once far off. Now he's talking about the Jews and the rest of the world, really, in the context of this scripture. But there's more to it. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace. So he's one. He's talking about God's people. Now think about this. God's people in this world have been abused by the world. All the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now that doesn't mean into the present time. That doesn't mean that at times we don't bring it upon ourselves. God's people certainly through the Old Testament brought upon themselves many times. God warned them many times, begged them to come back. They didn't. That was part of what happened. But there was a hostility. You know, when you see in the New Testament where the Jews are having trouble accepting the Gentiles and, and just throwing away their customs, it's because the people that God wanted them to accept were also the people that enslaved them. 
that destroyed them? We ever think of it like that? The Romans that have them um, enslaved in present time are now showing up at church and wanting to worship with them. And God's saying, there is no Jew nor Gentile anymore. But the hostility was still there. And they struggled with it. When you have a fracture in your relationship, there's a struggle that ensues. And until there's reconciliation, there really isn't peace. So when we're thinking about this, we're thinking about forgiveness, redemption. We're thinking about reconciliation as well. He says, for he himself is our peace who, was made, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. There's no longer Jew nor Greek. So making peace. Because until the hostility is torn down, until that wall of hostility is torn down, there is no peace. It might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Jesus' blood gives you Peace through true reconciliation, despite the things that we've done against God. He made it right. Before you ever apologized one time, before you ever repented one time, he made it right, tearing down that wall of hostility. And obviously, his blood sets us free. See, this is the trap and the snare of the devil. The world has got you in it and you don't realize it until you're set free. The wisdom of God is what sets you free. The truth of God's word is what sets you free from the rat race of everyday life. And without his blood, you were in chains. Without, without his blood, you were in the trap. Without his blood, you were in prison. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is Absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan can accuse you all he wants. There is no condemnation. You have been set free. Your chains are gone. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation. That's what his blood did. Then it says this. Sometimes you got to go backwards to go forwards. But now, and Paul writes this a little bit earlier in Romans chapter 6. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit, remember the fruit of the Spirit? Just got done with that. The fruit you get leads to sanctification. It leads to a holier life. It leads to a life that has been separated from the world, that has been set apart for God, from the world. This fruit of the Spirit, it leads to that type of life, ultimately ending in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your chains have been gone. There is no condemnation, which ultimately, ultimately gives us victory. Not on your own back, not on your own efforts. Just because you follow and cling to the cross. 
on the back of Jesus and his efforts. Because not only did he bear our sin, but he shed his blood for our salvation. Let's pray. God, as we come before you again, Lord, we are, man, we're so grateful. It's, it's hard for me every single time. You know, it never, it never gets old, God, talking about the victory that you freely gave us. You gave it to us. We don't deserve it. You gave it to us anyway. God, we struggle. Paul says, wretched man that I am. I know what I, I, know what I should do, and it's even what I want to do, but sometimes I just can't do it. You die for us anyway. You shed your blood for us anyway. And you love us anyway. God, I pray we never take the blood for granted. We know it was our sin that held you there. We also know it was, our, it was your love for us that kept you there. God, I pray we all know we have victory. That although this is a time of remembrance, it's a time of self-examination, a time to think about where we fall short in our relationship with you. It's also a time of celebration every single time because death has been defeated. Satan has no power over us anymore. And we have been united through your spirit. God, we just pray that you give us a heart and a mind that, that gets us to a place worthy of the calling. Where we can walk in your ways and see the world the way you see hear the truth, and differentiate the lies. God, be with us. We need you so much. Thank you so much for your blood. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alas, and did my
So just wanted to remind everybody, in case you didn't know, we have the boxes at the back for the offering. And the offering is for the work of the kingdom to be continued here at North Brevard. And we uh, want to pray over that every single week. So we're going to do that now. God, we thank you so much for the generous hearts. Father, not, not that we, we give out of compulsion because we have to. Lord, but because we want to. Because of the amazing sacrifice that you have already made for us. Because all good things come from you. So when I give it back, it's, it's really just something you gave me to begin with. God, we want your kingdom to grow. We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we want to be light in a dark world. We want to be cities on a hill. We want to proclaim you. Not just in our communion every Sunday, not just in this building, but to our community and to the world. Because you're the only name that saves. You're the only name under the sun that's ever been uttered in this world that has the power to save. And we praise you for that. So God, we know that Individually and even collectively, our, our offering is very little to you. But we also know that we can give a little. And you can make it much. That we can give a little and you can make the increase happen, God. And we just pray that as we give 
that, Lord, you are all over our elders with wisdom and knowledge and discernment to use these funds for the greatest impact possible for your kingdom. God, we thank you so much for this church, for the love that we share, for the family that you've given us here on earth to help us get through this crazy world. We pray that our, our gift, our offering is acceptable to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I didn't feel right, especially after sitting here talking about the body and the blood of Christ without at least giving an invitation. So I just wanted to say to anybody who, who might be here today that has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, has not been washed in the blood of Christ through baptism, has not received the gift of the Holy Spirit, us becoming God's temple. If there's any reason God's put it on your heart to make him your Lord and Savior today, I pray that you don't put that aside, that you act upon it. And for those of us who have, I, I pray we never take the Lord's Supper for granted. It's so easy. Life goes fast. Sometimes our Lord's Supper even goes fast here. It's so easy just to throw the cracker in your mouth and down the juice and just go on with your life. But it was never intended to be that. It was always supposed to be something that you thought deeply about the emblems that you were taking and considering your way of life. That's what we're talking about tonight, by the way. Consider your ways. If you come back, we'll talk a little more. But I just wanted to give the opportunity, if there's any reason for anyone to respond today, maybe there's something through your own time of self-examination that you realize, I gotta let go of, and I need to share that with somebody. Maybe you realize you need prayers. We can do that too. If there's any reason to respond today to the call of Jesus, you can come forward as together we stand and sing. Thank you, Matt, for that inspiring message this morning. We appreciate each of you being here. Before we close, I have just a few announcements. First of all, uh, we'll be having an Easter egg hunt next Sunday following the morning worship. If you have children, please bring them, and you can also bring their friends if they want to be a part of it. So if you have questions about that, please see Matt. I have an update on some of our sick. Marie Woodruff had to be taken to the hospital yesterday with abdominal pain. Uh, 
it was discovered she has uh, gallbladder and gallstone problems. Uh, she's supposed to have surgery if she can be cleared uh, from a cardiac standpoint by her doctor. Please pray that she is able to have that surgery and be out of the pain that she's in. Sue Shumate had a heart ablation. Uh, the procedure went well, and she's probably going to be able to come home tomorrow. So uh, that's good news. Pat Ortkees is recovering from shoulder replacement surgery. That's a really difficult surgery. Please pray for her. William Sands will have a surgical procedure on his knee on April 18th. Nora Hornberger will have surgery to remove polyps from her throat on April 7th. Please keep all of these as well as all those on your prayer list and your bulletin in your prayers. Uh, William mentioned the devastation in the, from the tornadoes. Uh, we have one that touched here. Casey Strasbaugh's mother's home was destroyed in that tornado in Adamsville, Tennessee. Also, her neighbor was killed in that. So please keep all those affected by that storm in your prayers, especially those uh, connected with us. Wanda Bauer, who, as you know, can't get out much anymore, is missing you. She uh, would like for you to give her a call if you have a chance. She needs the encouragement, so please honor that request. And I have a note to read. This is from Elijah Brewer, if you don't know who that is. He's the young man that spoke up here, delivered the sermon last Sunday morning says, to the Lord's people at the North Brevard Church of Christ, thank you so much for your Christian love and hospitality. From the incredible meals to driving us there and back, your heart for service is truly evident. I hope and pray we were able to encourage you as much as you encouraged us. In Christian love, Elijah Brewer. Father, as we leave here today, I'm going to borrow from your word that became flesh. The world is becoming like Sodom and Gomorrah. There's trash everywhere, violence is increasing. So we need you to help us to be faithful, help us to be loving, and help us never forget the home we got coming. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>